Algar Productions. Welcome to the Death of Podcasts. I'm Al, and this is Amanda. Hello. And we're making our way through Terry Pratchett's Discworld series one book at a time. This month, we're discussing book 14, Lords and Ladies. Yeah. And we're not in the bedroom anymore. We've no, I've taken you out of the boudoir. I am unclear as to whether this is better or worse, because now we're in our big echoey living room and literally every possible noise is happening outside of our eow, house right now. Eow. It's the Discworld uh, theme music. Yeah, the doo, weird doo, doo. theme music doo, that comes up. Doo, doo. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Spronk. There's definitely a spronk in there. It's very unusual, and I... I don't have the Google skills to determine what that is, but I really want to know. Some kind of a noise? It's... Did did Terry choose it himself, maybe? Who knows? It's weird sounding. It's very weird sounding. Why don't you tell the people what happens in this book so we can get into it? Because there's, there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. Really? A lot of good stuff? Mm-hmm. Elves aren't nice. They invade Lankra. Granny, Nanny, and Magret stop them. And then Magret becomes queen. It's become kind of a uh, competition for us to see how much, Mm -hmm. like, you can't just say witches. That's not a summary. You have to say what happened in the book. And you did that. We're we're getting close to me just screaming witches, though, and leaving. No, because I I feel like our summaries are getting shorter and shorter, Mm -hmm. but they're still to the point. That's what happens. That is exactly what happens. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm praising you. I'm not saying you left any important things out. Like there's Praise me. Plenty of details. But um, that's what happens in the book. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And there's so much going on in this book. Like this is... We, we talk about this every single time. When does it get good? When does it get good? We are... It's good. Yeah. I mean, we said this about Witches Abroad and we said this about mm-hmm. Small Gods. This, I think, is better than Witches Abroad. Like I know you like that book specifically because it appeals to some Witches Abroad really scratches an itch for me. It um, covers a lot of ground that I love, a lot of fairy tale stuff and fairy tale logic and character archetypes that I really, really enjoy. Uh, But this is a, as a cohesive book, this is a better book. I just don't like it as much. Yeah, I, I can appreciate that. This is definitely one novel and not two separate stories sort of joined together. Like we said in Small Gods, we're getting into the um, the books now that are a book. Yeah. That are thematically one piece, not just two sort of disparate things mashed together. No, but I still think this is kind of a middle step. Um, and we'll talk about this mm-hmm. more when we get to these books. But right now, this is clearly this clearly has like a three-act structure. The yeah. first act is them... Getting back, like it, it, it follows on immediately after the events of uh, Witches Abroad. It's them coming back home and settling back in. Then the second act is the danger. Mm-hmm. And then the third act is resolving the danger. Yeah. It's very clear. Whereas some of my favorite later books in the series, almost like if you dissect them, you can definitely find the act breaks and you can definitely find all the things that are in a novel. But they feel in the best possible way, like stream of consciousness. Like it never feels like, Okay, now we have clearly moved from showing what's going on to accelerating the danger. It's it, like some of the later watch books to me just feel like sort of someone talks for a long time mm-hmm. and then stops talking, but in a good way. I don't know if I can... Uh... Well, we watched a um, a remake of The Twilight Zone where each individual story in it was mm-hmm. not necessarily an hour or necessarily a half hour. Yeah, this was the 80s relaunch of yeah, the Twilight Yeah, and so you could have a 10-minute bit, and that was it, and you could have a uh, one that was 45 minutes, or you could have one mm-hmm. that was a half hour, but it worked a lot better because you didn't see the act break coming. It's right. not like, okay, well, now here's the big cliffhanger. You You weren't sort of preparing yourself right and um when he departs from sort of that three-act structure where you know okay this is about the first third of the book second third of the book you 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 don't get that and so when something happens it's it's more sort of shocking yeah and there are many peaks and valleys Mm -hmm. instead of like the big climax at the end a lot of times it feels like a a sort of soft climax because there have been several sort of in the middle, but that's that's later. We'll talk about those when we get to them. Right now, it is very traditional storytelling yep. in, in a good way. But he has been good with traditional storytelling this whole time. Like, oh, he yeah. really plays with traditional storytelling. That's what I liked so much about yeah. Witches Abroad. No, I just wanted to point out that this isn't sort of like 
the end of the evolutionary cycle, no. he's going to continue to evolve for 20, 30 more books. Like, we, we still got but a lot this, more to go. Like in uh, Small Gods, this feels more like what I expect oh, yeah. from his um, level of writing. Um, that kind of ties into my good thing. Uh-huh. Um, there's a lot of talk about bees and wasps in mm-hmm. this book. Um, the elves are from a parasitic dimension. Mm-hmm. They come over here to steal um, uh, people who sing and animals and people to torture mm-hmm. and like entertainment, basically. Um, and they're described as wasps, like coming into the bees. I was about to say the bees nest. That's mm-hmm. not accurate. <laughs> I don't know that much about bees uh, coming into the um, the beehive and just stealing honey and what they need and then then going off again. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of talk about Magrat becoming queen, like mm-hmm. a like a um, a bee becomes queen in the uh, again the bees nest. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> no, and and in the big climax, she faces off against the queen of the elves, and she very specifically says there can only be one queen. There can only be one queen, and we talk about what happens when there's two queens in a hive, like in a beehive. Yeah. Um, and then Granny. Uh, learns to borrow an entire swarm of bees. Right, and, is... and to remind people, the borrowing is the uh, the, the uh, power that she has mm-hmm. to sort of uh, ride along in the mind of, of an animal. But bees are very different. So we have this sort of, this theme coming up very gracefully. Like it never felt forced or uncomfortable. It was very... Uh, in, organic. It, was, it was organic and it was integrated in the plot and bees just kept coming. And I was sort of rereading a part, passages of the book before I uh, came on here. Mm-hmm. And I was looking up mentions of bees and wasps. I'm like, holy fucking hell. There's like a hundred mentions of bees. Yeah. But it never felt um, it never felt forced. It was just yeah. a, like an overarching theme of the book. And I really, really enjoyed it. No, it's it's great and it's foreshadowing, but it's not foreshadowing in an obvious way, and it's not foreshadowing in uh, an obtuse way. Like, no. like there's not going far enough with foreshadowing, mm-hmm. and there's going too far with it, and it's in that sweet spot of yep. mm, I could have seen that coming if I'd looked closer, mm-hmm. but it caught me by surprise, which was very good. And when I remember reading this the first time, I thought the bee talk was just sort of meant to be color mm-hmm. and like used. Well, there to is ex- a lot of that. Yeah, but used to explain things. But mm-hmm. I didn't think it was going to sort of be a ma- like major plot points. Be but- a major plot point. Uh-huh. Uh, I hope that's fun for people listening on their on their earbuds. I think that might be an ASMR thing for some people. Well, because ASMR doesn't work for me, it's not real. Yes. Just like when people sneeze at the sun, also not real. Uh, that's the thing that happens to me. You see me. You see it happen to me while we're in the car. I don't together. know why you're lying about this to me. You have nothing to gain. Mm-hmm. But um, the it, it is. It's very. It's a. It's a very nice setup that doesn't feel like an obvious setup that then pays off. No, later because on. because there's so much other color like one of the things we talked about Mm -hmm. we talked about this in the context of uh screwball comedies Mm -hmm. because we watched a bunch of those like last year um but also in the best Discworld books everything feels very populated Mm -hmm. and very lived in and even the most minor characters are interesting and they're not just there to set up Mm -hmm. our characters and we've spent some time in longer like we were there for weird sisters but it was mostly about the king and the witches and here we learn way more about the people, like half of them are related to Nanny Og, yep. but also other people. And there's we meet so our many Jason and yes. our Sean. Yes. And there's so many little jokes and little like everybody's mm-hmm. got something. Nobody's there just to sort of fill a place. Everyone's got something funny or interesting or mm-hmm. both about them. And the bees and the wasps fit into that because there's a beekeeper, a royal beekeeper yeah. in the castle when uh, Mr. Brooks Magrat moves in. And then there's a falconer called mm-hmm. Hodges Arg. Yeah, because he can never finish his name because a falcon bites him. Yes, a a horrible carnivorous mm-hmm. bird of prey mm-hmm. attacks him. And there's a there's a wonderful running joke. It mm-hmm. it feels like one of those things in the earlier books that he would have run would have been way the hell into mm-hmm. the ground, but he didn't. It was just the perfect level of because so many traditional English surnames mm-hmm. are based on what you do yep baker carpenter mm-hmm. whatever smith mm-hmm. like he just assumed okay well couple generations hence 
Baker the Weaver, mm-hmm. Weaver the Carter, and so on and so Tinker on. Tinker the Tailor. Yes, and there's there's a hundred of those, and I think only one of them, one of their names matches. Yeah, and then what it's they do at this Baker point, Baker the Baker, and it's like ah, and when we get to that one, it's really funny. Yeah. like I I genuinely had like an out loud like actual laugh. But it's a it's a funny riff on something that any mm-hmm. sort of like anyone growing up in sort of uh you know Anglo style mm-hmm. like you know. Uh, England, America, places where a lot of people have these names. Mm-hmm. It's an easy joke that I haven't seen a lot of people make. Nope. But it also gives specificity to, like, Sean Ogg is hanging out with, or excuse me, Jason Ogg mm-hmm. is hanging out with a bunch of townspeople, and it could just be Baker and Carter and Carpenter, but instead they have these funny names, mm-hmm. so that, that already adds a level of sort of comedy to them. And it adds another level because they're all uh, putting a play on Right. Uh, that's it's Midsummer Night's Dream. Like yeah. it's that's the idea. No, and um, we have sort of an echoing of what happened in Weird Sisters, but it's different enough that yeah. it's not the same thing again. And so they're pretending to be these um, like uh, the bumbling characters from Midsummer Night's Dream, like Bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got Carter the Weaver pretending to be the Thatcher in the play. Like it's right. just it's just a nice layering. It's really funny. Yeah. No, and it's 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 very good, and there's a lot of that. There's a lot of like the town has weird little things, weird little details. There's um, uh, Jason Ogg mm-hmm. is uh, Nanny's oldest. Yeah, and is he's a right? blacksmith. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. but he's the, one of the only favorite. One I think. of the only named uh, children mm-hmm. of hers that doesn't seem kind of an idiot. Mm-hmm. Like he's very good at his job. He's a blacksmith, and. There's this whole thing, and I'm unfamiliar with medieval mm-hmm. whatever, like, because I was born in the goddamn 20th century where blacksmiths were irrelevant. Stuff. Yes, exactly. Makes me think of the bit from um, uh, Venture Brothers where Doc saying, and he was a super scientist, and he was a super t- scientist, and my great 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 grandfather before that was a, a Milner. Milner. Yeah. No, I like I'm barely familiar with what a blacksmith is because you know it's 20 now teen and why would i but there's some there's some good sort of mythical stuff Mm -hmm. that i'm sure is even better to people who are familiar with it and the blacksmith is an important figure in the town well that's Uh, what i mean just like like, just like the beekeeper and the falconer like there are these certain or witch like there are these professions that are important to a town being no, able and to survive. One of the first scenes we get after we sort of mm-hmm. get the witches home is th- sort of backs up and mm-hmm. talks about the importance and the the code, the sacred code, and death actually, like because death gets an appearance in every single yep. like that's the only character you're going to see in all these books. He does, and um, this is uh, when he gets uh, his horse Binky mm-hmm. shod. He takes it to Jason Og, and um, he's got to put a blindfold on, but. There's this whole thing about that's that's the arrangement. If if you can shoe anything, you have to shoe anything. Yep, and there's a bit where he talks about having shod an ant because yes, people they... brought it to him as a joke. Mm-hmm. And he stayed up all night with like a jeweler's loop, and mm-hmm. he did it. And this all felt like color too. Mm-hmm. This all felt like well, there's the death cameo. Mm-hmm. You don't want to just do it when someone dies. You you try to come up with some clever ways to bring him in, not just at someone's death. And we're introduced to one of Nanny's huge right. family. But it's also a good just comedic mm-hmm. riff. It gets the death appearance in there, but it's also like oh, and and uh, this is how his horse gets shoes, and also this guy puts shoes on an ant once, and it all feels like okay, mm-hmm. haha, that's over with. But then that pays off at the end because they need to shoe a unicorn. And it also pays off because Granny's the best, so the price of being the best is being the best. Yes, that means you will be called upon to do things that only yep. the best can do. Yep, and that's the cost. If it if you are, yeah. if it's brought to you, you have to do it. Nanny or Granny has to accept a witching challenge, yep. even though she's got other things that would be more yeah. important for her to do. She doesn't have a choice. She's the best. Right. Plus that bit at the very end mm-hmm. where she's the only one that can sort of keep the mm-hmm. unicorn under control because, and I don't even think they say it actually out loud. This is one fantasy thing I yep. do know, like only a virgin. Yep. And we've talked about that at length with Granny. Like she gave up, and actually we explore that more in this book. Mm-hmm. She gave up that whole path. 
so that she could focus on the witching. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons that she's the best is because she pairs away everything in her life that's not witching. Yeah. So she's the best at witching and the worst at everything else. Well, and yeah. you're not you won't be familiar with the idea of min-maxing, but the uh the listenership's going to love it. If you say so. Yeah. Video games. <laughs> Read a book. We did. Um but uh, th- this actually was a very clever way to bring in the wizards from Unseen mm-hmm. University, which uh, as soon like the first time I read this book yeah. 10 years ago or whenever it was. Actually, I remember exactly when it was. It was 13 years ago. Um, I was uh, just real s- quick sidebar. I had a terrible, terrible job that I hated uh, working on trains. In the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. But somehow I managed sad to. sad train horn. Oh, it was just terrible. Just like bleak echoing no, it's, through the it's valley. No, it is the worst job I've ever had. Oh. I was just not qualified to do it and it was the middle of the night and it was just awful. Uh Um, But for whatever reason, I'd managed to wrangle a free, like, uh, why don't I ride the train and Mm -hmm. see what, how it works just to get a bit. And somehow my boss said, sure, you can spend an eight hour shift riding the train from Seattle to Portland and back. (laughs) Just riding the rails. And I just sat on the train quietly listening (laughs) to this book. That's how I remember that. That doesn't sound so bad. No, no, that was the one day out of the mm-hmm. three months I was there that was that was tolerable. But also, I did it during the day and not at you know at midnight. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. You remember exactly? Oh, where oh you yeah, were. yeah, yeah. Yes, I do. I forgot what I was saying just now, but I remember thirteen years ago when I read this book. <laughs> no, I just I I remember um, being um, surprised. Mm-hmm. By whatever it is we were just talking about, the, which I, the wizards. The yes, yes. Oh, yes, that's right. I, I was rolling my eyes at oh, yeah. the wizards. Come on, we're mm-hmm. we're back to the characters I like. It's the, the the witches and the watch are the ones that I definitely like. Okay, good. We're following them home right after the last story. I know exactly what's going on. This is oh, not these guys, mm-hmm. and uh, they work. This is easily my favorite iteration of these guys. It's maybe the only time I like Rid Cully. Well, I am a Rid Cully fan and listening to this again. because of this book. Probably because his connection with Granny is great. Also, I mean, there's, I, there's a lot of me in Rid Cully, which is probably, and I love me. So I love Rid Cully. There's not though. Apart from the bellowing, there really isn't. And the bullying. (laughs) Yeah, but he's always wanting to go fishing and. I'm always wanting to go hiking. How's that working out for you? Sad. With your plastic boot. So sad. Uh-huh. Well, see, listeners, you know. The Patreons need to send money so that I can walk again. By the time they hear this, you will, like. They will will have had needed to have sent me money. Yes, (laughs) exactly. This is posting so far into the future. This is, I think this is maybe our first episode in 2020. Like, we're way out. (laughs) Um, But, um. Uh, Rid Cully in this is this is the Rid Cully that I think of when I think of Rid Cully. Yeah. He's bombastic, but he's also kind of sent like there's a soul to him. He's yeah. kind of sensitive. Yeah, he's not just going around yelling at people to yell at people. No. Also, one of the things I always hated about mm-hmm. the wizards is they don't have any names, mm-hmm. and there's really only four wizards that go, and only one of them isn't named. Like mm-hmm. the librarian doesn't have a name, but we know the, who he yeah. is. The, and there's Ponder Stibbins, mm-hmm. who's the the junior wizard, who's finally starting to get a bit of a character. And then there's the bursar, yep. and we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, but that's a big part of why I don't like the wizards is because there's these unnamed characters with that I never really figure out who they are. But and these four all have characteristics. They don't have many characteristics. The big harump of wizards. No, but these and four we've do. Talked about that. Yeah. Previously, but no, these four are very distinct. This is a from good iteration other. of that. Yeah. Of those guys, and the thing with the thing when. The elves are managed mm-hmm. to come through is because the walls between reality are mm-hmm. weaker, which also means that people who are magic sensitive, like Granny, can start remembering things that happened in other realities, mm-hmm. like alternate realities. And there's a nice contrast. Down the different uh, leg of the trousers of time. Yeah, is this the first appearance of the trousers of time? Uh, I don't think so, because he he talks about the famous trousers of time. I'm pretty sure they've come up mm. before. This is one and of his the, favorite idioms. And the uh, the rubber sheet of reality. Yeah, but that's yeah. just from like a uh, brief history of time. Yeah, but or he talks like that, about like. that a lot. And but then Ponder says, I'm pretty sure I could explain alternate realities for you, but I'll need a rubber sheet and some weights. Yeah, that's every science book you read that tries to dumb down science so you can understand it. One brings in a rubber sheet, and then that's when I get confused. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it's making fun of that. <laughs> Whereas The Trousers of Time, I think, is an original uh, Terry Pratchett creation. Right. Um, but you get that nice contrast. We've had this before, like in Equal Rights, mm-hmm. uh, the the comparison between 
wizard magic and witch magic. Mm -hmm. And here we get it again, but it's different. It's not like he's repeating himself. It's like a different take on that. And they're both equally valid. The, the, um, the wizards, especially Ponder Mm -hmm. are scientists. Mm -hmm. They study like, I don't think they've gone into particles yet. They're going to do that in later books where they try to. Thalms. Right. Like the, the elementary particle. Right. Jokes. But, uh, if it's a joke or it's just a, a word it's a joke it's not exactly a joke mm. yep it's supposed to be the smallest part of no, thaumaturgy I, I get that oh. it's not really a joke it's just a you needed a name for it and Jokes. that's the name but um no i i like the uh the contrast and i like that they have all of this scientific explanation for alternate realities basically like what physics now mm-hmm. calls you know alternate realities or whatever the actual name for it is but that's how we know it in sort of uh, popular culture and then Granny sees it as just remembering a different Granny's life. Mm-hmm. Like it's exactly the same pr- concept, but they think of it very differently, and I like that. But so she starts remembering occasion, not to the point where she's like, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, unable to do her job or mm-hmm. anything. But just every now and then, she has these moments where she starts remembering this other Granny's life, this other Esme's life. Probably she wasn't Granny, and it puts her off a little bit it yeah. makes firstly she's remembering grannies because it's not just one she's remembering all of the grannies right ever. but a lot of it focuses on what would have happened Mother weatherwax yes if um mustroom ridcully and esme weatherwax had hooked up like they almost did in this yeah, there reality. was one there was one night where they would have they would have hooked up if things had turned out differently it implies that they probably had like a summer long courtship mm-hmm. that would have culminated in this and instead she found this creepy place where the elves come mm-hmm. and that was more interesting to her than and the, just like love. we were talking about before she paired off love to study witchcraft but that was sort of and it's very good storytelling yep. and it's very good backstory because she had a moment she mm-hmm. had that one moment in her life where she could have chosen that path. Like, that's that's the trousers of time yep. right there. We're in the fly of the trousers of time right there. In the crotch, right please. In the, right in the well-worn crotch. <laughs> um, crotch. And, and that's the moment where mm-hmm. she decides, I could let him catch me. Like, there's, there's a great, like, it's never run after him. It's always be run after. Mm-hmm. But it's always let him catch you or don't mm-hmm. let him catch you. And in this case, she just had more important things to do. Mm-hmm. And that's when she made the decision. And you could easily see, oh, well, yeah, the other reality is just where she decided to let him catch her. Yeah. And so there's also a nice uh, bit where Nanny's talking about, oh, yeah, well, after if I had a young man running after me in the woods, I'd always have to find like a nearby stump or bit of bracken to trip over. Sometimes uh-huh. it could take a long time to find something. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, and I love I love just how brazenly sex positive nanny Mm -hmm. is that's so great she's had a long and colorful life Mm -hmm. and she is not ashamed of one moment of it and i love that about her no there's a a pretty good bit where um jason talks about his father who died Mm -hmm. before he was conceived like Uh significantly before he was conceived Uh and i think that was sean and yeah rid cully says to ponder don't ask any questions. They count differently in the country. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, da, da, da. No, and Rid Cully, like, I don't usually like him in the other books, but I do like him in this because he kind of bridges the gap mm-hmm. between the young Morpork stuff and this stuff because he comes from here. Yes, he so came he, from a, like, he came yeah. from rural times. So he can explain yeah. how it works to Ponder and to the librarian and to mm-hmm. the lesser extent the person. Also, the librarian hates the country as much as Ponder does. Yeah, because it's all great. rolling cabbage fields yeah. and mountains and stuff. It's not like he's going to where an orangutan yeah, lives. He wouldn't especially want to go to where an orangutan lives either. Where I the bet librarian he would like to swing is, from, in some trees. is from the library. Well, that's true. But I bet he would like to swing Mm-mm. in some trees. Not no, there's, there's a, always not talk unless of, it was a library tree. No, there's always talk of his genetics mm-hmm. and, and the call of his, like, you know, his inheritance wanting him to do that sort of thing. But um, no, this is a good Ridcully book. And yes, his, it is the good Ridcully and book, And his yes. relationship with um, Granny is great because he's very sentimental and kind of soppy about it. No, and, and the whole always, time he's all, what if, what yeah. if? And she's like, that's a, that's a, that's a pointless question mm-hmm. to ask because this is what happened. Because she is, as ever, sort of laser focused on what's happening, whereas yeah. he wants a trip down memory lane and like, oh, what yeah. could have been? And she finally indulges him a little mm-hmm. near the end, which is very sweet. Mm-hmm. And, and I like, After the crisis is over. Yeah, I yeah. like that. I like that she's still got a little bit of that yep. in her. She would never, like, she's not going to give anything up. 
but she's like, you know what? Yeah, okay, I remember. Yep, I remember how it how it is in this, another reality. This is this is not an idiot. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who had genuine feelings for me, and mm-hmm. I'll indulge him for a moment. That's even all. a moment. Yeah. Whereas there are other people who come into her life where she's just like, Ugh, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is a special case, and it's nice because, you know, Granny is. Uh, depending on which of us you ask, the best or the second best character in all of Discworld. Mm -hmm. And um, it's nice to get, like, we got a bit of her backstory Mm -hmm. last time about her sister, but I don't think her sister ever comes up again. No, and when I don't remember if we talked about this on the podcast, but when we were uh, listening to that book, I thought, oh, well, maybe one of the future books will go back and talk about what Mm, happened to her sister. Future books, huh? Oh, no. Made yourself sad. There's no more books. No. They're they're over. No, and the last book is very definitively yeah. the last book. He wrote it like very obviously knowing. Um but while we're talking about the wizards, I should I should just say my bad thing. Ugh. Which is so pretty much every time we we hang out with the mm-hmm. wizards, this is why I don't like them mm-hmm. is they've got shtick and it's not like like we talked about a minute ago mm-hmm. where the town everyone's got a funny thing. It's more like Everyone's got a tiresome gag. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference between Carter the Weaver mm-hmm. and this, which it's weird because it doesn't even start out that bad. The it's it's it didn't. So the Berser has been going slowly more and more crazy as the books go on because Red Cully yells at him all the time. Yeah, and which is he's horrible. A, he's a highly nervous person and he can't deal with Rid Cully's yeah. shouting Waking and him up every and, yeah. early every morning to yeah. just abuse. Yeah. And like, like Brian Blessed. Yeah, it's it's horrible. Yeah. Like, when you think about it in, in realistic non-comedy terms, it's like, oh, this guy, this poor traumatized person. Mm-hmm. You can't think about it like that, though. But the thing also, is... Also, I'm pretty sure he was evil in one of the earlier books and he was trying to kill Rid Cully or something, I who think. Who knows? Whatever, it doesn't matter. But now he's this, this gibbering mm-hmm. idiot, and that's the joke. Mm-hmm. And he's got to take dried frog pills. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a little funny at the beginning. Yeah, because it was, it was, there wasn't much to it. And it also let him uh, sort of come back to clarity for a few moments, and that was kind of funny. Where... Yeah, it's funny. Like, my, the, the, I've never laughed harder in my entire life than on Beavis and Butthead when mm-hmm. Beavis for a moment mm-hmm. says something normal or intelligent mm-hmm. and then goes back to being stupid. That's mm-hmm. the funniest thing in the world to me. There's there's definitely like good eating on one of those comedy bits. Mm-hmm. But And there were some pretty good jokes about other characters getting dried frog pills to help them through yeah. an anxious moment. And it, I don't know. It felt a little like jokes at the expense of the mentally ill. A like, little oh, bit, you, yeah. you better take your antidepressants, you crazy person. Yeah, you'd better take your antidepressants, yeah. you crazy person. Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, that's that's one of my things. Mm-hmm. That's one of my pet causes is like pop culture telling people they shouldn't take medication if they need medication. God, like, that sequence in fucking everything where they pour out their pills down the sink and suddenly their life is better. Yeah, Ugh. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend did that and then yeah. her life was worse. Mm-hmm. And I was so, like, I wanted to hug that show so mm-hmm. hard for that. Um, but uh, putting that aside, I mean, this was still written, I think, in the early 90s mm-hmm. and okay, whatever. He's getting a lot better about his problematic stuff. There's yep. hardly anything in this at all. And I, that's borderline anyway. Yeah. But it just wasn't funny. And it wasn't one of those deals where it started out funny and wore out its welcome. It got less funny. Like the way it was told got less funny. It, it wasn't just it that it like kept being there. like he used his good jokes at the beginning and then yeah. just used the bottom of the barrel jokes. Yeah. It as was, it went on. It was rough. And it was, yeah, really eye rolly. And it was 1% of the book, mm-hmm. maybe less. Like there was almost none of this in the book. Let's be clear. It didn't. It didn't drag it down like some of those sequences in many of the other books. Yeah, it wasn't endless. Like, it was a no. moment of, ugh, this again, instead of going, oh my god, how many more pages till it's over? The wizards were maybe 10 to 15% of yeah. the book, and this was a small portion of mm-hmm. that. Like, it was so insignificant, but... It was by far the weakest joke in the book, though, yeah. and it was a runner, so it was noticeable. Yeah, and I had to pick something. Uh-huh. Because this is one of those books that pretty much hits all the notes that I need it to hit, and there's very little. It's going to start getting hard. Yeah, it is. We're going to have to, we're going to be scrambling to get to the obvious oh, bad thing. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm already thinking about, like, mm-hmm. Thud is my favorite book. Mm-hmm. Not just my favorite Discworld book, maybe my favorite book. And I'm already thinking about it. It's like 10, 15 books ahead. And I'm already thinking, like, what possible bad thing what could, could I have? It, be? it wasn't 400 pages. Mm-hmm. It was only 300 pages. That doesn't count. There's no more books. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but while we're doing bad things, we can we can talk about yours and let's let's sort of back up and and provide some uh, so, context here. Um, when the witches return, there are some young witches who are starting to practice witchcraft. Yeah, witches abroad and the epilogue of witches abroad, where they decided to keep traveling, mm-hmm. kept them out of the country for what, mm-hmm. like a year? Yeah, I think so. Like they've been yeah. gone for a while. Yeah, and so there is a. Um, a young witch named Diamanda, <laughs> and uh, she takes on that name to sort of be hip and cool and cool and hip, like everybody. It's like an internet screen name handle well, where they, you get to be they like Night Knife or whatever. All of these, um, what'd you say, Like Knife? Night Knife. Oh, okay. They, um, boy, I can tell when you came of age on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell by all my internet handles. Uh-huh. That you still have. That I still have. Yeah. Um, but uh, they all have them. Yeah, there's. And I um, think there's a bit of a swipe at goth culture there too. Yeah, and a little of that felt like biting the hand that feeds mm-hmm. you, but he backed off it before it got too much. I think. And there's Perdita, and uh-huh. there's Amanita, yeah, uh, and so they're all kind of like you know goth girls kind of names. Yeah, and they're all sort of um, uh, they call it uh, the Granny calls it paddling with the occult, mm-hmm. which you know jokes. Yeah, uh, and so. You know they're they're doing tarot readings and doing Ouija boards and they're not th- helping people. Though. No, it's it's sort of like the sleepover yeah. version of witchcraft. But it's it's similar to what he was doing with Magrat, where it's like what she does is nothing like real witchcraft, except mm-hmm. she still helps people. Yeah, so it counts. The, but it's it's a good sort of dig at okay, these people think they're witches too, mm-hmm. but are they? And um. Perdita says, "Oh yeah, I'm. I'm. We're helping people, you know, by raising power and stuff. Like, what does that? What mean? is that? How does that help people? Yeah. Um. So, when the uh, when our trio comes back, uh, these girls are sort of fooling around with magic, and they're um up at the stones where the elves are coming through, mm-hmm. uh, weakening the bonds there and kind of letting them through, and um, Diamanda has." a connection with the queen of the elves, which is getting her more power. Uh Um, And she um, ends up challenging granny to a witch contest. Uh Um, And that's a really good scene. It is. He does. This is a, this is a very specific thing that he does in a number of books. And I always enjoy it. Mm -hmm. The young snot nosed punk who think they can do their Mm -hmm. job, your job like better than you. And it's a good way to show instead of tell to say, Mm -hmm. Okay, I've told you that Granny is a great witch and that she's been around forever and that she's good at her job. But you know what? Why don't I show you Mm -hmm. by pitting her against someone with some natural talent to see how that shakes out? And there's a lot of good stuff because Granny was this snot-nosed girl. Oh, yeah. Like none of the other witches. We had a prologue of her as a kid and she was the same way. And none of the other witches would teach her because she was too headstrong and kind of a dick. And so now she's facing herself. in in the present so they have um a witching contest and uh it's basically just a staring contest yes but they instead of staring at each other they're staring at the sun right and granny's exhausted because she's been trying to keep the elves from getting through and she's worried about dying because other Mm -hmm. versions of her are dying so she's worried that's happening and she's getting these versions of her that are happy as grandmothers and so she's all can all befuddled and it's she might lose and Mm -hmm. if she loses she loses everything because mm-hmm. she's no longer the best. And how can you be a witch when they've seen you lose? Right. Um, so Nanny pulls a dirty trick uh-huh. where she um, has, she holds out some candy. So Pusley, her uh, grandson, runs across the magic circle and he could get hurt. Mm-hmm. And so Granny stops staring at the sun to save the the boy. Mm-hmm. And Diamanda keeps staring at the sun and feels like she'll win because she didn't stop staring. Yeah, but that's the whole point of being a witch is helping people. So yeah, exactly. While Nanny's cheating a little bit, mm-hmm. all she's doing is changing the conditions of the test mm-hmm. to have to be able for Granny to be able to show why she's you know. But she did it because she knew oh, I know. that's what Granny would do. Yeah, I know. Um, because she helps people. Because she helps people. Yes. So we have these young witches, um, sort of showing up, trying to show up the the older witches, and we meet Perdita, who, um, yeah, is, she'll come back. She'll in, come back. Yeah. In in later books, mm-hmm. um, but the, my bad thing is that after the second act, when the elves show up, 
these guys kind of disappear. Yeah, we had this whole long talk about how you thought Diamanda died because I, she just sort of disappears. She gets stabbed and then disappears. And yeah. it's very sensible of you to have assumed that. And I actually had to look it up and I'm like, oh, no, yeah. no, it says she's fine. Yeah. Um, like Magrat saves her from the stabbing. Well, there's a there's a whole sequence. Like one of the things about the elves is how cruel they are and yeah. how they love to toy, like play with their food, basically. Mm-hmm. And how they like. There's a wonderful bit where uh, they're, they're talking about cats and mm-hmm. how cats are stylish and they make a pleasing sound when they're happy mm-hmm. and if they looked like snakes people wouldn't That's, have I, any that, part I actually yeah, oh, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, uh, glamour elves are beautiful they've got she spat the word style beauty grace that's what matters. If cats look like frogs, we'd realize what nasty, cruel little bastards they are. Style, that's what people remember. They remember the glamour. All the rest of it, all the truth becomes old wives' tales. Mm-hmm. Yes, very, very good. Good sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. Then they just sort of disappear. Yeah, then that's... And we don't really resolve the old witch, new witch No, debate. it's obviously she was outclassed, but then then what? Yeah, no, that's, that's it. And then when... Perdita comes back in the later books. There isn't again the old witch, new witch debate. No. It's it's nothing. But there are still these these wannabes because mm-hmm. I do remember there being more more on that. Uh, there's more on that in some of the Tiffany books also as that, well. Yes. Um, like we do come back to some more of that in the Tiffany books, mm-hmm. and uh, because they're later in the series, a lot of it's handled better and sort oh, of, of more interestingly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they just it just and this is something that uh, some of Terry Pratchett's books do where you have these um they're not even necessarily villains but antagonists who are there for the first part of the book then they poof well, yeah, her, away for a little her while. purpose is to get the elves into the story and the mm-hmm. elves are the real antagonists and then she just goes away because she's not needed anymore and he's usually better at using all the pieces he has it feels like they just there just wasn't the time or the space but there's mm-hmm. no reason for there not to be the time no. or the space like just write, a, just write, write 30 more pages yeah. or something it's yeah fine I mean, we are starting to get into, this is a thing we've always called him out for, the the hundred epilogues. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those books, and that's his style going forward is like... And the hundred epilogues don't really bother oh, me. Oh, no, no, not at all. It's just, you think, and usually with a book, you're kind of like waiting to be over. It's like, okay, good. It's almost over. Wait, I got 50 more pages. With him, it's like, oh, there's 50 more pages. Yay. Good. And usually these hundred epilogues have a lot of nice, sweet character moments. Yeah. Um, so yeah, because the danger has passed and yeah. everyone's settling back into their new status quo mm-hmm. and then there's an extra plot beat with them, which is nice. That's where the uh, the sequence you were talking about earlier where Granny softens for just a moment yeah. to talk to Ridcully about right. how it could have been. Mm-hmm. No, I, I liked all of that. Uh, speaking of uh, the, like in uh, screwball comedies where we've got these big interesting characters mm-hmm. uh casananda's back in this one yes uh, and you would think okay there's one joke there how he how's no. he possibly back but no he's, he's different great. enough yeah he's like a highwayman yeah who tries to rob the wizards as they come into town and just sort of rides along with them and and tries to seduce nanny mm-hmm. and it is delightful oh it's so good every moment with casananda and nanny is really really good but imagine a character like casananda in book two Oh, it would have been so bad. Like it, it would, just, would have been problematic and gross, and and just endless. Yeah. Oh, endless. But yeah. This is not endless, and he's a character as well as being a bit of a goof. Yeah. Um. Like he's mostly a joke, but there's definitely yeah. a guy there. Well, there's a sequence where he takes Nanny Og out to like what's supposed to be a seductive dinner mm-hmm. with like light, sort of sexy food, yeah. and he sort of. He, he kind of loses the plot of the seduction because he's just enjoying watching her eat with yeah. cu- such gusto. Because things that are that are famously aphrodisiacs mm-hmm. are, are kind of weird or hard to eat or, mm-hmm. you know, like or oysters small or something. Small and light, too, yeah. usually. Mm-hmm. And she's just, like, guzzling it all back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she thinks the jam is salty because mm-hmm. it's caviar. That kind of thing. That's uh, really good. And they uh, there's another sequence that I really enjoy where the two of them go to see um, the Longman, which is an Earthworks, because uh-huh. uh, they're going to go visit the King of the Fairies because they're hoping that he'll s- help them stop the Queen of the Fairies. Right. Um, and he, the, the, the long man is a masculine figure sort of carved into the rock. And, and apparently based on a real thing in England. Yep. Um, there's more than one thing mm. like that. Uh, and it, we talk about sort of these chalk 
cutouts too in the Tiffany books as well. But mm-hmm. um, what's sort of funny, funny, interesting about this is is a big dude with a big giant cock. Yeah. Or in Discworld terms, Tonker. Well, that's that's dwarfish, dwarfish for it apparently. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's so many dick jokes there's, and subtle. They're dicks. so funny. And, and if I had like a relatively young child who was reading this book, I would not feel uncomfortable having them read it because it is it is so going to go over your head if mm-hmm. you don't know what it's about. But they go down to the King of the Elves, and he is like a very sort of primal sexual mm-hmm. uh, like being. And Casananda looks at him and says, "Oh, you don't half look like your picture," uh-huh. meaning giant horse cock yeah but that's what i mean like a kid reading that would have no clue what was going on like it's Mm -hmm. it's a good i love those kind of jokes when they're in under the radar Mm -hmm. because then everyone can enjoy them and the sequence with the king of the elves and nanny i really enjoy because Mm -hmm. she doesn't want the elves because they are dangerous and they steal babies and they're mean and they're cruel (laughs) it's mostly that they steal babies because she's a mother yep that's her role you know but there is a part of her that also loves sort of the wildness and the licentiousness yeah. and the sort of, because that's Nanny's whole thing is yeah. that's the part of witchcraft that she's, she's good at. She's a mother because yeah. she's had a lot of sex. But she's she's into that sort of old yeah. time witchery. Yeah. Um, and there's a part of her that wishes they could come back yeah. and sort of looks fondly to the future when that could happen again. Yeah. Um, she talks about um there's the elves can't come back because it's not just the iron in the world it's the iron in the head and the mm-hmm. king of the elves talks about one day the iron in the head's going to rust and she's like yeah good one well, day and and because all of that has to do with uh and i mentioned it briefly from that one passage is how they've kind of fallen into wives tales mm-hmm. like so many of the things people do hanging a horseshoe on the door mm-hmm. or whatever they don't even know why they do it anymore mm-hmm. and it's because the myth of the elves like it has supplanted the facts mm-hmm. and that's why they don't tell Magrat about them because she's going off to be queen and she would buy into all that soppy like no she yeah. would think of them as fairies and she would want to like no they're pretty let's help them exactly and that takes me to my good thing mm-hmm. which is I, I had originally selected a specific moment but really Magrat on the whole this is why like thinking back I hadn't read this book mm-hmm. in 13 years I, th- I immediately think well this is Magrat's book this is the book with that awesome moment. Mm-hmm. She, like, we wondered throughout, uh, which is abroad, why she suddenly wasn't marrying Varence anymore. They mm-hmm. mentioned it in passing once, and that was it. And it's like, is that just not happening anymore? And maybe Terry Pratchett forgot to mention it in that book, but he sort of retconned and said, well, uh, Granny wrote letters home mm-hmm. to Varence saying, uh, she's going to be home at this time, and you probably should come a courting. Also, because both of them would beat around the bush so long, yes. they might never get married. And yeah. she knew they needed a push. And Granny remembers what it was like to be that age, yes. and she didn't have a push. And while she doesn't regret not having that family Magrat life... Magrat would. Magrat would, exactly. She's not on the same path nope. as she is. But it's nice because, I mean... And I don't, I, I'm good with a retcon mm-hmm. if it fixes things. And Magret was a little weak in that book. And here she's not at all because I understand her conflict the whole time. Mm-hmm. She does love Varence, but she loved Varence the fool. And now Varence the king is like, well, that's not who I fell in love with. Do I really want to do this? Mm-hmm. I guess I want to be queen, but I also still want to be a witch. Mm-hmm. And- but her and Granny also have a, I would say a, the fight in this was a lot more, um, robust than the fight between them in the previous book it's definitely based in the same foundation Mm -hmm. it's definitely the same like and these two will always come to a head for Mm -hmm. for all of those same reasons because they're so completely different Mm -hmm. but here you're right it's very different and she basically says well fine i'm gonna be your queen and then i can Mm -hmm. tell you what to do and you have to curtsy to me no no also nanny and granny spend the whole book thinking of um Magrat being queen is like second best. Uh-huh. Like she'll, oh, so she'll be queen. That's, she'll be royalty. That's, that's nice. That's good. That's if a good you, runner up, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you can't be a witch, but I what guess she, that's okay. And there's so much of the book dedicated to uh, what kind of queen she will be. And she wanders around the castle mm-hmm. looking at all the portraits and all the statues. And she takes uh, inspiration from this like sort of warrior queen from queen the past. Inchi. And she's like, Wait a minute! I can do that. That yes, that's what I want. I yes, thought I please. had to do tapestries and wait around in a pointy hat and and deliver airs. Mm-hmm. Like that's my job. But look at all these spikes. And 
it, it turns out near the end, mm-hmm. this this resolution didn't even bother mm-hmm. me. Usually in most things, like you got to be a really good writer. Guess mm-hmm. what he is? Really uh, good. To, to pull this off, that the power was in her all along. Yep, that it there was, was with inside herself. There was no such thing as this queen, mm-hmm. that one of the kings along the way decided to invent this colorful history for Lankara and made this armor that didn't ever And he was also anyone. kind of into like... Uh, he was also kind of into strong chicks. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was just nice. Like she had the power in her all along. But uh, when the witches come and or the, mm-hmm. the elves come rather. And this is a lengthy passage because mm-hmm. I did not know where to goddamn stop mm-hmm. with this. So the elves are taking the castle. Mm-hmm. They've got Varence. Varence, at this point, I love that he's just sort of a whimpering hostage. He's There's such not a... much to him in this book. I like that. Yeah. In this case. I like just the t- like... If for nothing else, because it's a nice role reversal mm-hmm. on the damsel in distress, like it's well, the king in distress. This is probably not something you'd be familiar with, but there's a folk song called Tam Lin, where um, a girl goes off and saves her uh, her dude from the from I'm not, fairy queen. I'm not familiar with that, but they do reference things within Discworld, like like yeah. stories about that. So that that I'm aware of it in the context and of so this. And so that's sort of what this is about. Like that's right. an old folk song where the dude was the damsel in distress. Yeah. And his no, and it's, strong it's just, lady had to go get him back. Right. And and you're thinking at the beginning of this book, Magra Garlic is the, really? Yeah. No. That's, that's fair, Janet. I and, don't think so. And she just keeps getting pushed and pushed and pushed. And like she's locked in a room and they're coming for her. And she's a witch. She mm-hmm. knows these things are, are weak to iron. And so she puts on the iron armor mm-hmm. and she starts attacking them and she attacks the first one and she threatens to put it inside in a suit of mm-hmm. armor. Like they're like, you can't kill us. We don't feel pain. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, I'll just put you in th- inside the suit of armor and you tell no, me how much don't. not pain you feel. And just like she just mm-hmm. turns like and it, it doesn't feel out of character. It feels like the natural progression of I've had a goddamn enough. I'm supposed to get mm-hmm. married. I'm supposed to be dramatically storming out of my wedding mm-hmm. that's now not even happening. So I can't even do that because I've decided I don't want to. But then she decides that everything's too important. Mm-hmm. And she, she and so she attacks the first one. And then she comes out of the room at the next uh, mm-hmm. at the next elf. And this is like I say, it's a big, long passage. But uh, bear with me. Magret appeared in the doorway. She was carrying an ancient wooden box with the word candles on the side and peeling paint. Uh, Sean Og also is there. He's the um, everything. Security and the cook and like all the personnel in the cup. Co- the butler. The and yes. every time that the, anytime anyone is sick, he has to do their job too. Right. So that, that's where he fits in the story. Sean looked hopefully along the corridor. Magrat smiled brightly at the elf beside him. This is for you, she said, handing over the box. The elf took it automatically. But you mustn't open it. And remember, you promised not to hurt me. The elves closed in behind Magrat. One of them raised a hand with a stone knife in it. Lady, said the elf holding the box, which was rocking gently in its hands. Yes, said Magrat meekly. I lied to you. The knife plunged toward her back and shattered. The elf looked at Magrat's innocent expression and opened the box. Grebo had spent an irritating two minutes inside that box. <laughs> Technically, a cat locked in a box may be alive or it may be dead. You never know until you look. In fact, the mere, opening, the mere act of opening the box will determine the state of the cat, although in this case, there were three determinate states the cat could be in, these being alive, dead, and bloody furious. <laughs> Sean dived sideways as Grebo went off like a claymore mine. Don't worry about him, said Magrat dreamily as the elf flailed at the maddened cat. He's just a big softy. <laughs> She drew a knife out of the folds of her dress, turned, and stabbed the elf behind her. It wasn't an accurate thrust, but it didn't have to be, not with an iron blade. She completed the movement by daintily raising the hem of her dress and kicking the third elf just under the knee. Sean saw a flash of metal as her foot retreated under the silk again. She elbowed the screaming elf aside, trotted in the doorway, and came back with a crossbow. And I could oh, just go on and on. Like, it's so very good. good. But all of that, just, oh my God. Also, at the end, when she goes to fight the Queen of the Fairies, uh-huh. um, the Queen of the Fairies makes herself look like Magrat wishes Magrat could look. Oh, yes. And just, just cruelty for cruelty's sake. Like, the, the Magrat that Magrat's always trying to be with the flowers in her hair and the, uh-huh. like, the flowy green dresses mm-hmm. and all that. And, uh... She uses her glamour to make Magret think that she's worthless and useless, and how could you ever possibly? That, think... by the way, for someone who occasionally mm-hmm. suffers from bouts of depression, was re- like mm-hmm. he's been there. Mm-hmm. Just the, the bits about being worthless were very, yeah. very specific and good. Listen, you stupid piece of shit. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 
Um, and she turned it, 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 it puts everyone to their knees, this feeling of worthlessness, mm-hmm. except Magrat, mm-hmm. who gets up and still just fights her because that's how Magrat feels all the time. And because Magrat has to put up with Granny. Yeah, Granny's been saying yeah. this to her for 10 years. She's been so. had by better. Yeah, exactly. So, oh, I'm worthless. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm worthless. Yeah. No, it was all very good. And and if this was Magrat's riding off into the sunset moment and she just mm-hmm. became queen and that was it, this would be a good ending. She will show up in other books, although now she's not officially part of the coven anymore but no, she, she still... still does some witching yeah but she does some queening as well yeah she from here on in her role is reduced and yeah. we have sort of a couple of different witches who come in to um yeah take the the maiden slot mm-hmm. um yeah and, and we'll get more into that in the yeah. next witch book but which is uh, magret's not gone but right. from here in there's less of her and but... it really felt like Terry Pratchett had kind of fallen out of love with her in Well, Witches yeah, and Abroad. also this is an, one of the major advantages of mm-hmm. having a ongoing multi-book series is you can do that. Like, over time, mm-hmm. you can promote a character. You mm-hmm. can say, okay, she was a witch for a while. We've told all those stories. Now she's a queen. We'll mm-hmm. tell stories like that. And it's cool because this will ha- we'll see this happen repeatedly, yep. more with the Watch and the guys in the city, but also some of the witch stuff. We'll see characters grow and change and move through their lives and become older and except take granny who's roles. perfect Who, now yeah, and yes, will never change exactly and vimes whose title changes but is always the same person. exactly the same guy yeah. yes but everyone else like is it good that our favorite characters are characters who are perfect exactly as they are and don't grow and change i mean we are so yeah it makes sense we want you know from characters what we see in ourselves yeah that that's right right yeah uh-huh. uh but yeah I, the magrat stuff like like Early on, you talked about not liking Magrat, and I think it's because you've read Witches Abroad so much, and I see your argument mm-hmm. from that, but because this book, as soon as you say Magrat Garlic, I say, oh, right, putting on a suit of armor and fighting right. off all the elves, I think, are you nuts? She's great. The thing is, I just feel like Nanny and Granny are both so much more realized, and we get a lot of their potential, whereas Magrat, I feel like she she has a, ver- a lot of good stuff in this book, but we very rarely get there with her. The thing is, I think I love Nanny. I love mm-hmm. everything about her. You could take her out of this book and tell exactly the same story. I don't know. because She's I... mostly there for the laughs and I like the laughs, but. A lot of the sequences with Granny were the sequence, or with Nanny rather, were the sequences where we were seeing the juxtaposition because Nanny had everything Granny doesn't yeah, no, have. No, no, no. I understand all that. And it's definitely good for you know, for building the, the you know, the, the character and stuff. And but the, the plot, she doesn't contribute a whole lot to the plot. Well, she brings in the, the actual deus ex machina, yeah. which is the king of the elves coming and helping Yeah, but I end. think, but, that, that, you know. And I think she is a road through which we can, uh, where we're, we're seeing different parts of witchcraft that we wouldn't with the no, other I, two. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. What I'm saying is I think in terms of her role... Mm. She has the weakest role in this book, and but often she also she's, had all my favorite parts. Yeah, all no, nanny she's, parts. she's she's effectively the comic relief, but I don't mean that in a dismissive way because she's very funny, and she's interesting, and she's mm-hmm. fascinating, and I want to spend every moment with her. Let's be clear. I'm just saying, in pure, stark terms of plot, she's not really that necessary, and. You know, in plot, no. But when we're talking about sort of the flavor and the color of the book, yeah, yes, the book would have been weaker without. Oh, her it in absolutely. It. No, it's a so much better of a yeah. better book with her in it. But I'm saying, you say Magrat's the weakest one in this particular case. I think Nanny is. Uh, I I just disagree because when we're talking about, I'm not talking about purely driving the plot. I'm talking about. No, I'm talking about the, being useful. Like useful, like in within the book, within inside yeah. the self. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm not talking about sort of power level. I'm talking about my enjoyment, my book, my sheer. Ah, book well, that's enjoyment. a that's a you know yeah. highly subjective. Yeah. Uh, what else? Um. Have you read your quote yet? I have not read my quote. Well, yet. why don't you do that? Maybe I will. I'm just gonna pull this up here. And, All right. Uh, what quote are you gonna read as your quote? Um. So this is a section talking about the difference between Magrat and Granny. Uh-huh. Magrat's cottage was a cottage of questioning witches, research witches, 
eye of what newt? What species of ravine salt sea shark? It's all very well a potion calling for love and idleness, but which of the 37 common plants called that by names in various parts of the continent was actually meant? The reason that Granny Weatherwax was a better witch than Magrat was that she knew that in witchcraft it didn't matter a damn which one it was or even if it was just a piece of grass. The reason that Magrat was a better doctor than Granny was because she thought it did. Yes. Very good. And see, that's why Magrat is such a good character to me because she's basically the opposite mm-hmm. of Granny. I mean, not exactly, but you know, like. Well, Magrat a lot of like and. That nanny both are different opposites there's three opposites well right you know yeah no i understand (laughs) look i speak star trek i understand kirk spock and bones Mm -hmm. but uh no i i think by far and it's not just because she had badass moments i think by far magrat is so much more realized in this book in just she absolutely as a witch as a character weird sisters it felt like she was more realized in that too than in witches abroad yeah but she's more realized in this than weird Mm -hmm. like this is by far the most and mm-hmm. i'm talking even before she starts kicking ass i'm mm-hmm. talking the early parts where she's fighting with granny and she's trying to figure out what kind of queen she wants mm-hmm. to be like those parts fleshed her out so much more than anything else has and i really enjoy that whereas in which is abroad she basically existed the way i see nanny in this story which is to sort of prod things along right. and provide some counterpoint but not really do much uh, anything else? We're kind of kind of coming up on our usual time limit here. Uh, we see the I ain't dead sign for ah, the yes. first time, which uh, Granny wears around her neck when she goes out borrowing. Yes, because um, uh, Magrat apparently came to her cottage once and thought she was dead mm-hmm. because her body goes, you know, limp and lifeless yep. while she's living in the brain of another thing. So, she, <laughs> yes, she made a sign that said I ain't dead. And so... That comes up quite a few times uh, it's from here on in. It's quite funny. Yes. Um, that's uh, pretty much what I had. I mean, I honestly, I could, I could oh, probably yeah. keep talking about this book for as long as the audiobook is, but that's no, not especially helpful. No, it's it's another one of those books where, like, I tried to keep myself to a few passages this mm-hmm. time because last time I went super nuts with it, but, you know, that's because they're great. Uh, there's one other passage I wanted to read. Okay. Um. And this is earlier on when uh, Granny rescues Diamanda from mm-hmm. uh, from the kingdom of the elves and, and walks back with her slumped over her shoulder. That was brave of you carrying her over your shoulder, said Nanny, with them elves firing arrows, too. And it meant less a chance of one hitting me, too, said Granny. Nanny Og was shocked. What? You never thought of that, did you? Well, she'd been, ar- she'd been hit already. If I'd been hit, too, neither of us would get out, said Granny. Uh, but that's that's a bit heartless, Esme. Heartless it may be, but headless it ain't. I never claimed to be nice, just sensible. So good. That's so granny. That's her. Yeah. Yep. And I believe this is also the first appearance of that saying, uh, personal is not the same as important. Yes, and that is something that comes up regularly. Yes. In not just witch books, mm-hmm. but Vime says it a couple times too. That becomes like a, a very important theme in Terry Pratchett's work. It's that humanism. Yeah. Thing. Um, all right. Well, what do we got for a pune or play on words? There were several, there were several that really made me groan and you'd clap your hands with delight. delight. Yes. This was my favorite. Magrat says broomsticks is one of them sexual metaphor things. Although this is a fallacy. Uh Uh-huh. And somehow. Dick jokes. Somehow the, uh, the, the narrator of the audiobooks, Nigel Planer, managed to get across fallacy mm-hmm. like we still got that it was a pun without yep. seeing it written which was which was nice very good yes all right so for our cliche count mm-hmm. this one was pretty light mm-hmm. we got a bunch of quantums because we were talking about alternate realities yep. but that's still like okay i'm gonna give it a pass on yep. that because there were, there were only four and we were quantum, this, this book was about that it wasn't like when we call it a cliche it's because he has characters just sort of shrug and say quantum mm-hmm. when they can't explain things, and that gets to be a really tired. This joke. actually is. Yes. Um, but, oh, uh, okay. So uh, only two gingerlies, no susurrations, only one surreptitious. We did, however, get three instances of something that happens to other people. Woof, that is so many. Which is, as we've said many times before, a joke you want to use maybe once. A series. Not, not three times. Yeah. Uh, so, grades, what do you got? Less than sign A plus. So an F? 
Nope, just less than. Well, lots less of than things, a lots less of than a plus. Less than a plus. Yep. Uh, this is going to be a thing, isn't it? Yeah. Because I was thinking I could put the grades up on on the website so people. Could You'll have of, to do Amanda math. I, I can't. Like Math-da. I was gonna. I was gonna. I was gonna make it sortable by grades so you could see your <laughs> best list and my best list, and you can't do that now. So thanks for uh, fucking that all up. You're welcome. I just gave it an A, a straight up A. It's very good. Because. Yes, it was very good, and it was very difficult to find significant things to complain about. Uh, so that's all for this time. Um, next time we're doing another great one, uh, which is uh, the next watch book, which I am stalling to remember the name of, Man, Man at, at Arms. Arms. Yes, Man at Arms. So Man at Arms is the guy with the mustache from He-Man. Yes. Man at Arms is the... Is the uh, and this, this is book. sort of um, Guards Guards 2.0. Yeah. But not in a bad way. No, just uh, much like, the way this is sort of Weird Sisters 2.0. Yeah, there's a lot of Shakespeare in this. There's a lot of Shakespeare in which this. we didn't get to, but yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of that. All right, so this has been a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Amanda Smith for Algar Productions and Giant Black Albatross. Copyright 2019. For our full archives, RSS feed, and more details about us, visit thedeathofpodcast.com. And for access to our show notes, bonus photos, advanced copies of episodes, and even the opportunity to pick something for us to review, consider a donation at patreon.com slash algar. That's A-A-L-G-A-R. Thanks for listening.